I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives, a show about conversation, community, and the people that bring community to life. The theme of this week's show is Spine, and joining me in conversation are John Schutz and Joey Beerman. John and Joey have both incurred serious spinal injuries. In this hour, we'll hear their stories. During their rehabilitation, John and Joey attended QLI, which is a post-hospital centre for brain and spinal cord injury rehabilitation. QLI embraces the concept that rehabilitation is more than just the science of physical recovery, but also the art of rebuilding a life. Uh, John and Joey, thank you for being here. So tell me a little about yourselves. Yeah, this is John. Um, I I, uh, grew up in a small town in South Dakota. Uh, I went to college in South Dakota there about... Eight years after I got out of college, I um, moved to Southwest Florida, an uh, island called Sanibel Island, and it's a resort island. They have lots of um, lots of nice beaches, and it's got a lot of wildlife preserves. And I went down there for uh, a few weeks just to check it out, and I ended up moving down there shortly after that. I just fell in love with the area. It was it was beautiful. There's white sandy beaches and uh, plenty of wildlife and stuff to look at, so uh, just uh, went down there working for a cousin of mine at a beach rental business, and I was on the island living for about a year and had a motorcycle accident, and I fractured uh, four bones in my neck that left me uh, quadriplegic, and I was in and out of a couple different rehabilitation hospitals and then uh, was fortunate to find QLI and spent six months on campus here working on my recovery. Um, Transitioned back home, moved in with my girlfriend at the time, who is my wife now. Uh, We live in the Sioux City, Iowa area with our four kids, uh, four boys. About two years after I was injured, QLI asked if I would come back and uh, be a spinal cord injury mentor to some folks that have injuries similar to mine. So I happily accepted that invitation, and I've been working uh, as a mentor here at QLI um, for the past seven years. This is Joey speaking. I am the youngest of four children. I grew up in a small town called Battle Creek, Nebraska. It has about 1,200 people. Um, Just to kind of let you know how small it is, I graduated with 39 people. And so after growing up, I loved playing um, baseball in the summer months and flag football in the fall. And once I got into high school, um, I was a three-sport athlete playing football, basketball, and track. And after graduating from Battle Creek High School, I accepted a football scholarship to um, a Division II college called Wayne State, where I am currently finishing up my business marketing major. I should be graduating next May. Um, During the summer of last, or last summer of summer 16, I, me and some close high school buddies went to Okoboji for a little vacation. And, you know, boys being boys, one of my buddies um, just was like, you know, Joey, let's wrestle. And I was, you know, obviously couldn't turn down a challenge so next thing you know we're grappling in the grass and I resorted to my WWF days and picked him up for a body slam 
and uh, to brace the fall, he um, he grabbed my neck as he was falling back, so I fell with him and um, landed on the side of my head, and I think I think the best way I can explain it is I felt like there was just a lightning bolt that just went through my body and instantly went numb, and I was on top of him at the time, so he rolled me over trying to finish our little duel with a pin and that's when I said you know stop stop I'm concussed I'm concussed because I had no idea what was going on and so um, after that little spiel I went to the hospital and got an MRI and they said that I cracked my C4 cracked C5 and burst fractured C6 so I am a quadriplegic as well I'm a C7 incomplete. After that, I came to, um, from ICU, I went to a place called Madonna in Lincoln. I was there for four months, and they were saying that I was going to be discharged, and they were saying, you know, aren't you excited to finally be going home? And that's when I explained to them, um, no, I'm not really excited because I'm dependent on other people for everything. Um, Is there anywhere I can go to do more rehab, and they mentioned QLI, so my family and I took a tour to QLI, and I was really excited to see that it didn't have a hospital feel to it at all, and they had a lot of um, high-quality equipment, and the clinicians seemed very intelligent, so I had to go there. So I came here from October to February, and um, had a lot of improvements, and left in February and I was actually doing the the EXO which is um, a standing piece of equipment that you use and a lady came up to me and was saying you know I uh, I know you're going into business marketing and I would love for you to maybe come back and do an internship with us and I was like yeah I'll have to really think about that that seems really interesting and um, Brad Dexter was my PT at the time and I was like Brad, who the who the heck was that? He's like, yeah, that was uh, Patricia Kearns. That's the CEO of the company, and I was like, wow, like I had no idea who that even was. So it was it was quite humbling, and I probably should have been a little bit more proper when I was talking to her. I felt like, but so yeah, I went home for a couple months, and then I came back to QLI, and I've been doing a marketing internship for them ever since April. So it's kind of it's nice to be on the other side of it all. It's interesting to me that when I asked, tell me about, um, tell me a little about yourselves, that a large part of that is about your injury. And of course, that's the context, it seems, of this discussion. But you and your lives uh, have been so much more than that. And even though your injury will inform your life going forward, you're still humans living a life until, uh, you know, with all its rich experiences. And I'm just curious about that observation. Um, the degree to which you now feel as if your injury defines you, or if that just came up because that's partly how you feel people want to engage with you. Um, This is Joey speaking, and um, it's kind of funny how I think it's, I think um, being in a chair, um, a lot of people, that's the very first thing they see, is that some people look at the chair and then they look at your eyes, and I feel like... um, you know, that night wrestling in the grass does not really define who I am. I feel like the the choices that I make in life should be why I should be defined. I think um, 
those those are the kind of stigmas that we all have to deal with. I think um, it's probably it would be nice to get more awareness to others and to see that we're more than just the injury. This is John. Um, just to to kind of continue on what Joey was saying, you you have the injury. You you kind of deal with its problems every day. Um, so it's definitely definitely part of you, but absolutely doesn't define you as a person. There's there's so many other aspects of life. Uh, um, I've met people that just just dwell on not being able to walk, and that's one thing. But there's a million other things that are possible for you to do. Uh, I. I enjoy woodworking and um, uh, biking and just kind of pushing my body to some physical limits and things like that. Um, so there's there's a lot of other things um, that kind of more define your personality. But just like Joey said, that's that's the first thing people see. So you almost feel obligated to explain, you know, kind of what happened. And then, uh, you know, most people don't don't care. But some people kind of you get that look where, okay, I should probably explain what happened. Uh, uh, living in the Midwest, people are always happy to help. Like if they see me transferring in my car, trying to hold a door, things like that. They always they always want to be helpful. But in the past ten years that I've had my injury, I've kind of wanted to show the world that that I can do that stuff on my own. So I usually tell my appreciate the offer and uh, just kind of go about my day. But, Gonna make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. As I turn up the collar on my favorite winter coat, this wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street. Not enough to eat. Who am I to be blind, pretending not to see them? A sonus disregard, a broken bottle top, and a one and so they follow each other on the wind and Cause they got nowhere to go. of you might just talk about some, some of the technicalities of uh, the injury experiences you've had in, in language that perhaps makes sense for people listening to, to maybe um, understand a little more. Um, yeah, I guess just to describe my injury a little more detail, uh, um, I have four fractured vertebrae in my neck and um, from that injury level about my my chest level. Uh, below that, I have no motor movement, um, and the sensory is dull. So my sensation is is dull to touch and to temperature. Uh, hot and cold temperatures, I can't tell the difference. Everything just kind of feels lukewarm. Um, 
Uh, I can sense light touch. Um, I can sense the wind blowing on my legs, although it doesn't feel like the wind blowing on my arms. It's, it's just a very different feeling, and that one's difficult to describe. But um, I guess uh, that dullness is also, it also affects my arms and my hands. Uh, like between my fingers, it's a very dull sensation. And then, uh, yeah, the backs of my arms. And then I do have some muscles in my upper body that are paralyzed as well. So uh, pectoral on my right side, some muscles in my shoulder, and then my tricep on my right side um, is not uh, not working, not functioning as a normal muscle would. Um, the one on my left side is okay. Um, and then both my biceps are are normal as far as muscle function. I can't grasp things like normal. I have what's called tenodesis grasp, and I can only use muscles in my forearm to pull my fingers back um, to be able to reach out and grab things. And then uh, those some of those other sensations I get um, are, are really hard to describe. They just um, sometimes I'll get it's not a pain, but it's like a shooting of electricity through my body. And I've heard that from various other people that have had something similar to that happen. Very intermittent. It doesn't happen all the time, just maybe once every six months or so. And then for me, since the higher the level of the injury, um, the more that is affected. So since I am a cervical injury, that is why I'm considered a quadriplegic because more below my injury is affected. So that's why, and John explained it well about the tenodesis. So I have to put my wrist down for my fingers to open up and then say I'm grabbing this water bottle. I have to pull my wrist back for my fingers to kind of close up so that I can grab certain things and then bring them to me. So, um, for me, I have more sensation that came back on my left side where I can feel my arm grazing on my left leg or on my right side from basically my chest down to my right toe and feet. I can't really feel. Um, I can actually move, which is kind of weird. I can't feel my right foot at all, but I can move my right toe and I can feel my left foot, but I can't move anything. And then I have, when I'm sitting down, I can flex my left quad and it'll contract. And then I can also, I have a little bit of hip flexor movement. So I can kind of try to move my left leg in and it'll move. So that's all, I'm less than a year out. So I think being really not that long post-injury, that's decent amount of progress and um, I guess what I've always done and just work with what you got and let the Lord do the rest is how I've always had the mentality and approach of doing things. I am really curious about how people around you expect you or want you to respond. So there are words like survivor, hero, and descriptors like you're fighting and um, optimistic. And I just wonder if this language to you feels helpful or actually imposes just a really unwanted burden on... It's people putting their expectations on you, and I wonder if you want to push back on that at all. Um, I, I do like the term survivor because um, we're, we're battling it every day. Um, it's, it's, um, 
it's difficult when some people say I'm an inspiration to them. That's that's a harder word for me personally. I I just think it's it's who's projecting it to me or who's who's going to be saying it. I think that's the biggest difference. Um, and if it's if it's someone I've directly helped, say Joey or someone that I've mentored in the past, I I would absolutely love it if they thought I was an inspiration. But if it's just someone that I've never met or someone that sees me in the street or sees me struggle in a door and actually get it open, that's that's something I do every day, and they're just seeing me in that moment do it. Um, I, I I don't really want to feel... I, I wouldn't feel like an inspiration in that instance, so... Um, that's why I kind of just don't, don't really want that term, I guess, at that point. So, but, uh, I definitely like Survivor because, um, there's, there's a lot of us that are in that together and, um, it's, it's a community, it's, it's a brotherhood and, uh, we all try to push each other and, um, that's, that's definitely a camaraderie that, that I like. Just to add on to that a little bit. I really do like the the word survivor, but um, I think kind of thinking, digging in deep on survivor, I kind of feel like that is a word where you're just, you're getting through, you're, you're, you're doing what you can do to maintain or to meet your balances. I think um, not only are we surviving, but it's just to add on to survivor, we're thriving. I'd rather thrive than survive. John is somebody who actually did mentor me while I was a resident, and I've, I think I've told him while I was a resident, and even when I'm in this position as an intern, that he was an inspiration to me when I needed help with just any sort of experience that he's went through. I think that is something I could always have in my back pocket, but I like to say that John and I are thriving rather than just surviving. So maybe speak a little bit more then to that idea of thriving and being independent. Yeah, that is that is uh, a great point. I kind of looked at the bigger picture and realized that um, more rehab needed to be done for me to be more independent because that was my ultimate goal is to be independent living so I wouldn't have to resort to someone helping me. You know, you think of your life as a whole and then you think of four or six months of rehab, um, it's really a small amount of your total life that um, I think is something that's hard to really dive in at when you're in sort of that emotional state. And that's what I try to explain to other spinal cord injury people when I go to places like Madonna and um, Emmanuel and stuff when I am out doing marketing stuff it's just it's really a small portion of your overall life to really get and find those tools to become as independent as possible I'm not sure if uh, Joey was in the same boat as I was when when I got to QLI but I couldn't feed myself brush my own teeth or do a lot of those little things Um, even put clothes on put put shoes on it's something that normally would take 30 seconds was taking me 30 to 40 minutes just to struggle with and and then not complete it when I was done. So uh, there's definitely a lot of things that I had to work on personally to to achieve that independence.
I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives. Joining me in conversation are John Schutz and Joey Beerman. Well, speaking to that then, John, describe what a typical day and a typical week is like in your life now. Um, well, since it's summertime and my kids are out of school, uh, it's a little bit busier uh, at my house now. Um, my kids are very active. Uh, they like to be outside. And that's kind of how I was as a child, so um, I'm happy to be out there and do anything with them. Um, I have two kids that are involved in golf. Um, they all do swimming lessons, and two of them are doing t-ball now. And then in the spring, they all play soccer. They're in Cub Scouts as well, and then they do 4-H. So we definitely keep busy. Uh, have a regiment a schedule that my wife has everything's written down we got to keep pretty tight um, schedule and keep a lot of structure around to keep the kids busy uh, four boys uh, if you get them cooped up in the house it, we got to keep them busy with something so um, whether we're reading reading to them um, doing artwork craft projects they help me with some of my woodworking stuff in the garage uh, things like that um, that's uh, that's a typical summertime week, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm at QLI working, so um, my wife just tries to keep the kids busy um, while I'm gone, so actually today they're coming up to Omaha, and they're, I'm going to meet them at the zoo later, so uh, we, we try to do some fun things too, uh, definitely, but um, yeah, definitely keeping it keeping it structured for my kids is, is probably the, the busiest thing, um, but uh, it's kind of unique, uh, all my kids... I've had all my kids after my injury, so they've only known me in the chair, and um, that's that's brought on a lot of challenges, but that's brought on a, a lot of joy, too. Uh, all my kids learn to walk pulling themselves up onto my wheelchair and either pushing me around in my wheelchair or just kind of walking from, from me to a, to a couch. So I've got a, a bunch of stories like that. Um, well, I'll, I'll start with my wife. We, we met... Actually, when I was at the second rehabilitation hospital, um, she uh, was visiting. Uh, she came with some friends of mine. She was a mutual friend, um, came to the hospital room. I hadn't been 
upright in bed. I was still, you know, flat as a board in, in the bed and hadn't been in a wheelchair yet or anything and met her and we just kind of got to know each other and talked. Uh, she came, she would come back and visit. We'd watch movies. Um, she taught me how to play cribbage and some other card games. We would just, just play games and just really get to know each other. And I found that she was a very kind, uh, compassionate person. When I discharged from that hospital in Sioux City to come to QLI, I thought, well, you know, that was, that was short-lived. But uh, she came to visit me every, every week. She found time in her busy schedule to come, you know, sometimes twice a week. That's a 90-minute drive, you know, from Sioux City to QLI. So she vi would visit me, and then when I discharged, she uh, said we could make adaptions on her two-bedroom house that I could move in there. And that's what we did. We we made some adaptions um, in the smaller home, lived there for about a year, uh, got married, and uh, had kids right away. We That small two-bedroom house needed an upgrade, so uh, I was fortunate enough to build an uh, accessible house. And um, so new construction home from the ground up, built big enough for, you know, a couple kids and Within a short time, we, our family was growing, and uh, we actually grew out of that house. So I built uh, a second home that's accessible, fully accessible kitchen where I can cook and, and do a lot of that stuff that I enjoy. And, and cooking is, is one of the things I do enjoy. So uh, cooking for our family, uh, I do that a few times a week and actually as often as I can. Um, but uh, some of those stories when I... When we had my first son, I stayed at home with him while my wife was at work. And there were some challenges, you know, changing diapers and getting his bottles ready and things like that. But, you know, some of those those happy stories are, he, uh, I remember he was probably, I don't know, 12 or 13 months. And I could feel him behind my wheelchair and I didn't know what he was doing. And I kind of wheeled forward and looked and he had taken a cup of Jello and smeared it all over the axle of my wheelchair. I don't know if he thought he was helping me or, or what. But um, I, yeah, I had Jello all over my my chair, so I couldn't help but laugh at that. It was you know it was going to be really hard for me to clean that up, but you know what are you going to do? It was just a funny story. And um, my kids uh, came home from daycare one time, and they just said, you know, Dad, did some of the dads at daycare. Are, they're stand-up dads, but, but you're a sit-down dad, and that's okay. Um, I noticed uh, about six months ago my four-year-old was hitting the light switch with the back of his hand, and I kind of was just watching him, and that's just how he turned the lights on. Well, I watched myself, and that's how I turn lights on. So he was just mimicking kind of what, what I do. So, um, you know, they're getting, they're getting bigger now. My oldest is eight, so... I have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, four-year-old, and then almost two-year-old. So um, the older ones, they like to go biking and, and do stuff, like I said, be outside. So I had to um, get an adaptive bicycle and some other adaptive wheelchairs that I can try to keep up with them because um, we enjoy, you know, being out as a family, just being outside on the bike trail and doing things like that. They're definitely a lot faster than me now, so I'm going to have to uh, upgrade to a new chair or uh, get one of those marathon chairs. 
Well, mine's definitely not as exciting as John's. No four kids and no love story for me yet. But um, for me, I'm working 40 hours a week here at QLI. So um, I, I usually work those those um, bank hours from 9 to 5. Say I work at 9 o'clock. Um, I think one thing that it's hard to put your mind around is when someone has a spinal cord injury you just think that he or she can't walk and that's about it but there's way more things that um that person has to deal with whether that's you know bowel program stuff using catheters all that sort of stuff that you really have to set your whole day around preparing um time management and just setting yourself up for success so I do sometimes have to get up um, at least a few hours before um, that 9 o'clock just to make sure that I'm ready to go and getting socks. I have a family friend who um, is really good at sewing, so she sews little loops on my socks. Since I'm a quadriplegic, it's hard to um, get socks on, so she helps me with that. And I have some adapted um, tennis shoes where I have a zipper in the back that help it's actually quite the little workout before I even get to work. And then preparing lunches, I like to cook as well as John. Um, yeah, I really do enjoy preparing um, lunches. And um, my brother Zach, who lives in Omaha with me, I go to his house a lot. And he works at Omaha Steaks. Um, he, he sells a sizzle is what he says. We go over to his house and he, um, him and I cook together and he... He is really a joy to be around. He's a very vibrant person, so I hang out with him a lot. And um, when I do go home on the weekends sometimes, um, my my dad's a really big gardener, so I enjoy spending time with him. And I have a 10-year-old uh, black lab named Wes that I really enjoy hanging out with. And during the summer months, my family... We kind of li- we live in town, but we're like the very first house in town. So, kind of have our own two acre um, house that we live on, and they get chickens in the summertime. So, I used to always help my dad with that, and now that I'm in a wheelchair, um, it's it's something I'd still feel like that I can do. So, as long as I don't get um, chicken poop on my tires, I think I'll be okay. This conversation might give some people the impression right or wrong, that things are actually pretty good. And I'm sure you would say things are pretty good in some ways. But I don't want to diminish uh, some of the circumstances that you've had to go through. And I would imagine there are times when you do feel a little despondent. But I also imagine that you mentioned being mentors, that there there are, uh, for some people, these circumstances are are harder for them to psychologically um, deal with and approach maybe speak a little bit to how you get through um, any down days and how maybe you support others who are needing some support to help them get through, uh, you know, maybe some of the challenges they're facing. Over the years, I've, I've found that each individual is different, you know, where they were raised, how they were raised. That makes you a unique individual. If you put a spinal cord injury on top of that, um, you have a very, very unique individual. So, um, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, people like to do different things. Um, it isn't it isn't usually the walking that that is what people miss. Uh, it could be the camaraderie of 
of anything. Um, everyone will have down days, and no matter if you're in a wheelchair or not, you're going to have down days. And going back to that, how you were raised, what what has been instilled in you throughout your life, make you take the high road or the low road on any given day where you have a down day. Uh, my grandfather, who was a, a big influence in my life, always um, always told me that that you know you will have you will have bad days, but the the friends that you have and make now might not be your friends down the road. So you're going to have to adapt with whatever life gives you. He told me that any challenge in life I could overcome. So um, I always have a special place in that heart, my heart for, for him and just for the things that he taught me. And that's just how, how I personally deal with some of those down, down days. Um, unfortunately, there's some people here that, that might not be equipped with that and don't necessarily deal with it that well I just make it my own special mission to come in and and be a family member to him or or help out really wherever I can I definitely make sure I'm around and just a, a smiling face for somebody to talk to Hello, I'm Stuart Chittenden, and this is Lives. Joining me in conversation are John Schutz and Joey Beerman. How have your perspectives on life changed? And I don't necessarily mean ju- just because of the injuries, but just as you've gone through life from your childhood to now and, and maybe as you expect life to, to evolve. Um, I guess for me, I kind of feel like I'm... I, really do enjoy just the little things in life a lot more and I'm a, I think I'm a more resilient and a really a better version of myself um honestly after this accident and 
Um, I, I think the three core values that I've really learned to accept and cherish after something like this is um, one is patience because before the injury I was probably I had a very short fuse I think that's my competitive nature in me and I think that was just a complete 180 after this injury um, I learned the the I guess the skill of being patient is something that I've obtained and then another thing is resilience QLI has t-shirts that say, um, you say resilience like it's a bad thing. I think that's a very good thing. And then thirdly, just gratitude. Um, A lot of people, after an injury, they, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. And you keep concentrating on things that you, you wish you didn't have or the things you can't do. And you sort of forget about the things that you still have or be able to do and the things that are really still important. Um, having the close family that I do and just the, the life lessons that I've learned throughout the years, I think has really helped me um, kind of cope with such a, such a life-changing incident such as John and I's. That was really well put. For me, life really slowed down at first. After the injury, you absorb everything around you with a microscope. You, you don't want to miss, you don't want to let a minute slip by. You don't want to take anything for granted. You uh, had what you had before your injury. Uh, it, was, it was all, you know, physical stuff. Now it's more mental. You, you see everything that's truly important in life. And under that microscope, you learn to appreciate it more. And I think Joey said patience. You... You definitely have to learn patience. I'm wondering if each of you have a vision or just some plans for what you want in the next 5, 10, 15 years of your lives. Well, uh, with that, I, I talked about my family, and that's going to be the, the biggest aspect of my life. We, we are a close family. We do a lot of things together. Um, but uh, raising, raising my boys to be just respectable young men is is a big mission that that I want to be on so um, that's probably for me just seeing them graduate or seeing them get married and have kids of their own that's going to be the greatest thing for me to sit back and say that I'm proud of them that that I raised them to the men they are for me um, I think something that's really been a top priority of mine is to go back to school here in the fall and finish what I started in terms of graduating from my uh, marketing degree. And I think before my injury, I was I considered myself as one to be a salesman and just push product, push product, push product. And really, I think that's not something that really should get me up in the morning now. I think after this injury, I really feel like um, spinal cord injury um, is something that could be a new passion of mine. And um, I think after an injury, I feel like people kind of put a ceiling on what you're capable of doing. And I would like to kind of just um, show the doubters that I feel, you know, my hands and legs might be paralyzed, but my mind isn't, my heart isn't, and definitely my attitude's not. And I feel that um, 
it's important to really just just show that we're all capable of more no matter if you can walk to work or wheel to work. imagine there will be many people listening who think whatever you say John we can't agree with you Um, because whether you like it or not you are inspiring us you are role models simply because you have to face life in the ways that you do in the ways you've talked about Um, I think that's interesting and you know I I honestly have some days where I don't even want to get out of bed, to be honest with you. Um, it's, there's, like John said, you have your good days and you have your bad days. And um, it's it's important to really have, um, I've been listening to Tony Robbins a lot lately, and he, he finds it important to write down um, some, some short-term and long-term goals and to really have a plan for what you're doing um, a lot of people they they overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in two or three decades so I think it's important to really have a concrete um, goals and you know what are you doing in your day-to-day life to reach those goals is something that I feel like is important my short-term goal is to um, kind of have resonate with everyone that I come into contact with. Um, I guess to add on to that, obviously to get back to school and graduate. Um, but um, I would really like to, um, I'm not really probably the best speaker, but I would like to maybe do some public speaking and motivate and inspire and let everyone know that we are, as a whole and as um um, a community, we are all capable of more and get rid of all these um, stigmas and um, show that 
there is more than a ceiling on everyone in this world, whether they have an injury or not, or they have a rough childhood or not. Um, just know that there is resources out there, and just like I said, we're all capable of more. So back to your um, hypothetical question, I guess. Uh, I would love to be able to take a lens and give it to a person to look through and be able to see what Joey and I have gone through with our injuries and maybe feel some of the stuff that we, we've gone through. Um, I think that would make everyone in the world um, better because I feel that I am definitely a better person after having that injury happen to me and just being able to see life a little bit differently. But if I could if I could share that with other people, I think that would be a great tool for just just for humanity to have and to be able to see that because people are so trapped in their days. It's it's fast. Everybody's really fast-paced. And like I said, everything after the injury slows down and you you appreciate everything so much more. And I think we've we've lost that as a as a society. So I would love to be able to have that imaginary lens to to show that to people, but um, hopefully just just with us talking about it, um, maybe I'll reach a few people out there to um, just encourage them to to slow down and just just be be better humans. Um, and uh, I hope uh, I think for my some of my goals just to add on to that would be just to continue what I'm doing at QLI here and um, just to continue to help people because it's it's important for them to have someone here like Joey and I that that can encourage them every day and just be that family member that member of that community that that pushes them you know through through some of their tough times What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Yeah. Oh, baby, how I Say I'm gonna get gentlemen incurred the injuries but there are other people who are emotionally vested in uh, in you and, and love you and I'm just wondering how your close families 
have coped with you being you before the the injury then going through the re- the injury and the rehabilitation and then you coming out the other side just how your families have adapted to that um, I, I know the injury was was pretty devastating to to my family for the most part um, you know I was I was the guy that you needed your roof shingled they they'd call me I'd come help you needed some furniture move and I'd be happy to help out so um, the physical aspects of my life were um, were something that that people could call upon me for um, and I think obviously that's that's definitely changed but I think it was was the hardest probably for my mom to be able to see uh, me go through that transition just from that really physical athlete to um, you know to a guy in a wheelchair essentially and um, I have really taken it upon myself to not really prove everyone wrong but prove to myself that I could be just as active as an athlete as a physical presence, um, as I was, you know, before my injury. So, um, but it, it definitely was, was hard on my family. And I see that a lot mentoring, um, families are, want to be involved if they're not close geographically. Um, they, they want to be involved, um, you know, through texts or emails or things like that. And I like to get to know them and just kind of be that presence that can show them that, everything can be okay. It can be, uh, you can be successful after an injury like this. For me and my family, um, after my injury, um, I, I guess things got pretty serious pretty fast. Um, I was in ICU and um, my left lung collapsed and then I shortly developed um, pneumonia after that. And um, I think it was really hard for um, my dad to see and we kind of we didn't really know what was really going to happen to me I was on life support and I've never seen my dad cry before and it was just him and I and he started crying and I had tubes down my mouth and I just wanted to show him how how strong I really was and I just remember I don't know if he could really understand me or not but I told him to you know, stay strong, stay strong, and I think him and I, and even my my mom and all three uh, brothers and sister, um, we've all really became even closer than what we were before the injury. I think this has all really established um, a new a new loving connection that um, can never be broken. I think and. Um, just to add on to what John was saying, yeah, I would help um, shingle. I would help um, just, you know, you need help moving furniture or, um, you know, playing college football. I was really, I was, I love sports, playing um, slow pitch softball in the summers. I would like to start coming up with trying to get that um, that itch back to being competitive, playing sports, Um there's um, a lot more resources in Omaha and than there would be back home in Battle Creek in terms of adaptive community things. So it's something I would really like to get back into um, because I'm a very, very competitive person. I just want to give you an opportunity 
to uh, make any other observations or any other comments uh, or any thoughts you'd like to share, uh, given that we've, you know, talked for an hour. And I just, I just wonder what else you're thinking about. Um, I guess um, a little message for me. It's I'd like to say that we all have our struggles in life, whether that's balancing um, work life and family life, or you know, maybe you had. Um, a divorce that you're struggling to get through or you had a spinal cord injury. Um, I think it's it's really not about what happens to you. It's how you react from it and um, really to have that positive outlook and to break, things might seem very overwhelming, to break it down in its most simplest form and attack it that way is something that I've had um, a pretty good experience with being able to make something that's really um, might break you down, thinking of it as a whole, is if you can just really simplify it that way, that seems to help for me. And um, just kind of, like I said earlier, I think um, as a whole and as a society, we are all um, capable of so much more. And um, I think it's really important to shed light on that it's um, it's really it's, like I said, it's not about what happens to you. It's just how you react from what has happened to you. Um, yeah, I just hope that uh, people can take something from what we've said today and just kind of apply it to their own lives. And and maybe, maybe they will draw inspiration from that and um, just, just find inspiration in some of the struggles that we've had. But if... If we're, if you see someone like us out, out and about, it's not always about struggle. That's that's just how I live my day. Um, it might look like I'm struggling, but that's just that's just kind of how I do things now. Um, so, uh, um, I guess just uh, just be there to encourage me. I guess uh, keep keep living my life. So. I've been in conversation with John Schutz and Joey Beerman. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for being here in conversation with me. Thanks. Thanks. That's the end of this week's show. The sound engineer was Dalimar McTizik. The magnificent Marion Fay helped produce the show. Lives is an executive production of Squish Talks. I'm your host, Stuart Chittenden. Join me next week for more community, conversation, and the people that bring community to life.